Living God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. You are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Have you ever found yourself all but wanting to shout, I want out? I sense that this is one of the strongest emotions we feel, and this was all confirmed for me last weekend at Costco, of all places. Let me take you there. I was standing in the food line. It was a long line. As you may have learned, Saturdays at Costco can be a mess. But I was fine with a buggy full of bulk-sized loot, blissfully contemplating what tasty snack I was going to enjoy. This is when I noticed the elderly gentleman in front of me who pulled out a wad of little booklets, what I later learned to be gospel tracts. After a few moments of silence, our eyes met. You know about Jesus, son? He said to me, Pardon, I said, as I felt myself yanked down from the platonic contemplation of the cinnamon sticks to my left. Do you know about Jesus, he asked, as casually if he was just asking about my day. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, You ever read the Bible, he asked. All right, now listen here, buddy, I almost replied. Um... I try to. I am not always the best at it, though. At this point, I am beginning to anxiously look around, feeling for my phone so I can ring in backup. Katie, man down, where are you? (laughs) In the five minutes we were waiting, this gentleman and I proceed to embark on a conversation, but it was rather more like a monologue where he decries the present state of things in our country. This was all accompanied by an occasional nostalgic look to the past and an urgent and expectant eye towards Jesus's imminent return. This man, so I learned, was miffed, frustrated, let down, and annoyed. He wanted out. He wasn't alone. I wanted out of this conversation. to a much, much greater degree, in a much more real way, the lepers in this morning's gospel know the power of this emotion. They have lived in a world that has no use for them. They have been overlooked and neglected, pushed to society's curb. As Luke tells the story, though, the miracle, the healing of them is almost secondary. They want out of their suffering, and so they ask Jesus. And upon obeying his word, they are healed. But Luke, as you noticed, isn't just telling us another healing story. He's giving us a story about salvation, about worship. The nine get to go live out their lives healed. Maybe they go back to society and become valuable contributors to the common good. But the one leper returns to Jesus. And the great miracle is that his life is about something, someone bigger than himself. Ten lepers are healed. 
one finds salvation. Never mind a way out. I want something more. I want into Jesus's company, this leper says. This Samaritan leper, this foreigner, knows the secret. The way out isn't everything. As we have been moving through Luke's gospel, we have seen that his is the story about how God rescues people out of political exile, out of physical ailment, out of social exclusion, and out of spiritual blindness, and brings them into a new community around the crucified and risen son. In Luke's gospel, Jesus says, your faith has made you well only four times. The first is to the woman in Simon the Pharisee's house, who everyone knows to be a sinner. The second is the woman who had 12 years of bleeding. The third is our story of the Samaritan this morning. And the fourth is a blind beggar. Here they all are, sinners, social outcasts, the disabled, the sick, all brought from the extreme distances of their conditions into close proximity to God's glory. Their wounds become refracted prisms in which the light and beauty of God's presence might shine. These aren't heroes in Luke's gospel who muscle their way out of pain and circumstance and disadvantage. These are witnesses who have allowed their wounds to be stitched into a larger story, God's story. And as Luke and as Luke's gospel has it, the story of salvation is often glimpsed most clearly by those on the margins. Often we need people on the margins to show us what salvation looks like. I want to tell you two stories about outsiders who have left a strong impression in my life. In 2011, Alabama, the state I am from, signed the toughest anti-immigration law tougher than Arizona's. I had a friend who was a lawyer and who was especially concerned with this, and so he began to attend a local Hispanic congregation on Sundays to try and build relationships and see if anyone there might need help. I remember talking to him one day and him telling me about the church. It was a church that was made up of a majority of immigrant families. He told me their services were often upwards of three hours long. We've got it good. And this was all because of the prayers of the people. He said that amidst the fear and dread, there was one phrase he heard above all else. Person after person went up to the microphone there at the front of the church and said, gracias, Dios, gracias, Dios, for Jesus, my job, for food to eat, for my kids, Gracias, Dios. My friend told me how he went there to help people who were in dire circumstances, and he left having learned for the first time what faith looked like. Gracias, Dios. Can you imagine? Second story. Not too long ago, I met a young man, Daryl, who had just been released from Allegheny County Jail. He told me his story about living on the run. Drugs and alcohol had gotten him into trouble. He told me about a life of dishonesty and duplicity and straight up fear. Because of this, he was always on the defense, always trying to protect something, always fearing that he was going to be found out. He was found out 
early in the morning after a multi-day bender. He was arrested and taken to county. Daryl told me something that I will never forget about his first few nights in jail. He said, I sat there in my cell and I was the freest I've ever been in my life. I didn't have to run anymore. I could breathe for the first time, he told me, like really breathe. And then, though he was sure to remind me that he was not at all a religious person, then I found myself praying the strangest prayer in the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. To be honest, it's hard for me to know what to make of these two stories. I get in an awkward conversation at Costco and I am looking for a door for a way out. And I am humbled by people who ought to be hard pressed for an escape, but who are instead all but bowled over by God's goodness, God's kindness towards them. In some ways, I myself am still in the foothills of faith and I am here as a preacher pointing to the mountaintop, to the Samaritan, to the immigrant community, and to the inmate. We live in a world where we are asked to see things as problems to be solved, promotions to be gained, and prizes to be won. It's all up to us. And if things don't work out, quick, the escape hatch, find a way out. We live in a world that no longer knows what the word bored means. We have escape hatches from every single moment. And into this tired and tense world, as the pressure of performance prompts our escape, there comes a word from the margins, from the outsider, a word arresting in its simplicity. Don't worry about the way out. Just for this moment, try not to worry about it they might say, follow us. We know the way in, the way in to the Father's heart. And this place is different than anything the world knows. You'll never want out when you are there. Well, how do we get there? We are ready, we might say. It's easy. Practice saying the simplest and most inexhaustible of words the words that Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection makes possible to say forever. Gracias, Dios. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Amen. <laughs>